0: Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal podcast. I'm your host, Cyril Gerald Quinn on the 10th of uh, November 2020, uh, the day before Veterans Day. And certainly want to give you know a, a, a major, major shout out and acknowledgment of the military and who continues to protect us. Um, Protect our lives, our democracy, and just you know, you talk about the real heroes and MVPs around the world. They are that and then some. So just and all the veterans, of course, the veterans who you know who are um, still with us, and and ones who are no longer with us. And I'm sure most people uh, either have a veteran in their family, or have a veteran in their family, or no one uh, that's close to them. So it 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 goes without saying that. we um, salute you as our heroes, uh, now and forever, for that, made, for that, uh, for that matter. Um, so I just want to say that because I know I will be doing a podcast, uh, and you know, next podcast won't be until you know after. Veterans Day is over, but so definitely want to acknowledge that. Well, we have a new president, a new president-elect, of course, Joseph R. Biden Jr. is going to be the new president. Come uh, January 20th, uh, I think January 21st is the inauguration. Um, As of right now, um, they're still counting (laughs) It's it's unbelievable. They're still counting votes. They're still counting votes. They're still counting votes in Georgia. They're still counting votes in North Carolina. They're still counting votes in Arizona, uh, in Alaska as well. So it is remarkable uh, how they're still counting votes. but Biden is going to be a president. Uh, Biden is going to, you know, has clearly won the race even, uh, even if he loses, uh, say, Arizona and, and North Carolina, which he's probably going to lose. I would say he's probably going to lose North Carolina, North Carolina so, but probably more than likely win, excuse me, win, uh, win Arizona, he'll probably lose Alaska as well. Either way, um, you have, we have a new president. Uh, the big question is, are these the Senate runoffs that will determine the fate of the Senate? Remember, if it's tied at 50-50, uh, Kamala Harris will be the the, the tiebreaker as uh, the vice president. So that is vitally important to the Democrats uh, to control to, you know, they will have control of all three houses, the Senate, the top, you know, the presidency and as well as the um as well as the uh, the house, so we you know certainly that a lot is riding on that. But getting back to uh, this weekend, um, I was in D.C. because uh, I work in D.C. Um, this weekend on Saturday, when all when the news uh, broke that uh, Biden had you know clinched um, Pennsylvania and was you know had been put you know had went past. 270 electoral votes, and it was to say, you know, uh, it was, you know, wild to say the least, you know, when I got out, you know, when I got, um, got off of work around about four o'clock, the announcement came at about 12, 12 PM or so. And, you know, you saw the honking horns, you know, people riding around with signs. Um, you saw just a, a you saw, it was a combination of a celebration and relief. To be honest with you and you know i enjoyed watching other people be happy it was great to see people happy um regards of uh, regards of you know of uh who you voted for what we've witnessed with this election in regards to these to, to all the votes being counted, is the definition of democracy. You vote; that vote should count. Period. This is all there's to it. And you know, America showed up as an as a nation. I I got it, got it on here. A hundred and you got a hundred and forty-seven million votes here. One hundred forty-seven million votes. Think about that for a second. 147 million votes. Both Biden and Trump broke uh, Obama's record for most votes for most votes um, all time, and, and they're going to end up end up they're going to end up breaking it rather easily. Uh, the re- previous record, of course, was 69 million back in 2008 when Obama's first term. Trump has is 71 million in counting. Biden is 76 million in counting. So America came out and voted, and the votes are still being counted. And um, you know, they decided that they wanted Joseph, uh, you know, Joe Biden to be the president. And that's it's really that simple. That's how that's how you know simple of a process this should be. One man or one person, one vote. It's just it's really that simple. Um, but it was you know, it, it was great to see people. Just happy, considering everything that has transpired in 2020. Um, you know, unemployment, COVID. You know, a number. Of, you know, over 239 thousand deaths. We're over 10 million cases now, and it's coming back. And it's actually it hasn't it never left, but it's you know we're we are in a we're in a bad spot with COVID as of right now uh, with these cases. Um, you know, well over 100 thousand cases a day. So to see people happy for at least one weekend, it was beautiful. Now, my mentality wasn't in a in a celebrity I I wasn't celebrating. And I'm gonna tell you why. Um I you know, I I made it a point I've I, I told you on this podcast numerous times over the last couple of podcasts, you know, who I was voting for. If I if I wasn't if I didn't make that clear, i would make it, you know, even more clear now. Voted for Biden, vote for the Harris, Biden ticket and i told you why and you know going through going through um a million reasons why i voted for the barrett's Hyde, the barrett uh biden harris ticket but i also explained that it was more about getting the other guy 45 out of the office than was actually voting you know actually pro biden or, or pro harris from that standpoint and i didn't i told you know, I explained that, you know, I didn't, did not want that feeling again come next election, ele- next election, election in 2022, 2024. Now, with that being said, that that thought process did not allow me to be in a celebratory mo- uh, mood, to be honest with you. Now, did I enjoy the Twitter memes? Absolutely, 1,000%. The Twitter memes were fire. Because it's not, it's one thing to be on the wrong side if you're a bully like like Trump has been for the past four years it is when you are on that other side of twitter of taking that L ooh to twitter twitter and the internet is, is still undefeated and he they fired his ass up over the course of uh and it's still firing him up especially saturday and sunday it was i just enjoyed just i probably spent more time on twitter than i had you know this entire year combined on Saturday, looking at some of those memes and just with people's uh, reactions on both sides. Um, Because, because again, 71 million people voted for systematic uh, uh, racism, voted for white supremacy. Let's not lose sight of that. 71 million people voted for that. So there is to say that, you know, the work is just beginning is a is an understatement. We as a country have a long, long way to go. Um, And I'm telling you right now, you know, and this is how I personally feel, as a black man, I'm not waiting for the 55% of white women who voted for Trump to, I'm not waiting for that number to go down. I'm not, the people that fuck with Trump those people are gone as far as I'm concerned, they're gone. Like if you condemn that shit, you condemn the systematic racism, if you de- condemn incompetent, incompetence in leadership, if you condemn how COVID has been handled, then I I, I really have nothing, we don't have any conversation in, reg- in regards to politics to be honest with you, it's, just, it's just not a conversation. So to me, it's all about making. Especially if you're African American, you put Joe Biden, you saved Joe Biden's ass twice throughout the course of this election process, uh, um, campaign process. You saved him in South Carolina. People forget Bernie was it was looking like Bernie was going to represent us uh, was going to be the Democratic representative uh, come uh, in November. Not Joe Biden. South Carolina primary saved him. You save his ass again in this election. Philadelphia, Atlanta, Detroit, Milwaukee, Georgia. Well, I said Atlanta. Okay. So it's time for payoff. It's time for it's time to get some bang for that for that voting buck. And I'm telling you right now, it begins. Right now, it begins right now. In regards to um, policies, in regards to holding Joe Biden and Kamala Harris feet to the fire, get out that celebration mode. The celebration is over. It's over. It should be over. You should have got that out. Got 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 that out your system. Saturday and Sunday. Okay. It's time to do the work, and however that the word however that is, that is that's if you're a teacher, if you're somebody who follows local government and and um, and local elections, if you're somebody who is uh, has an interest in a number of different black um, parties, as far as our, our you know our, our you know independent party independent parties that could possibly be drummed up come 2022, 2024, then so be it. But get involved in something that pushes the needle and that holds the Democrats accountable. Because waiting for politicians to do for you has not worked out ever. It rarely has worked out waiting for someone to do for you we have to push the needle, force the envelope, and demand what is ours in terms of getting payout for that vote, or for those votes. 80% of Black men came out for Joe Biden. 92, 91 92% of Black women came out for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Don't make the same mistake we made when Obama got office in office 2008, don't make that mistake. Cause I don't want to hear anybody discussing um, four years from now or two years from now, two years from now. Oh, this is not even, you know, I, I don't want anybody complaining for two to four years from now because you have, you, have, you have the ultimate leverage. You can vote them out. Kamala wants to be president. One day, soon enough. You have the ultimate leverage. Use your leverage. Use your voice. Because and I I explained this on the last podcast, on the last podcast, Donald Trump may be going out of office. The ideal of Donald Trump is is stronger than ever. He got more votes in this election than he got in 2016. When he won. Think about that. Think about that. These groups, these, you know, militias, these uh, you know, uh proud boys, Q on, they're not going anywhere. Not going anywhere. So, there's a lot of work to be done. Um, it will feel good though to have someone in leadership who, at worst, whether you agree disagree, is competent. It's competent. Like I look at Joe Biden, and I can say that he, that guy, is a president. He's a president. He's worthy of the position. Experience, you know, common sense. Been in the White House, before, you know, been spent eight years in the White House. He understands, you know, understands the position. For four years, we didn't have we didn't have anywhere close to that. For four years, we had a reality show for four years. So, it's be a, a very interesting time in our country. Um, and, I, and by the way, I like how Joe Biden has even has handled these ridiculous claims of a rigged election and these lawsuits that will go that will fall by the wayside. I mean, you know, listen. You understand who Donald Trump is. You knew this was going to be the case. Um, just move forward. Yeah, Joe Biden. I, I wouldn't even. I'm, he's already and he's already started the COVID. As, you know, has a has a COVID panel. Knows they needs to get that under control so the economy can get you know back in, the economy could get back up. Getting a uh, getting a vaccine in order and things of that nature. So, uh, like, I, I'm not. Uh, I'm if I'm. Biden, I'm not even, and I know he mentioned today that it was an embarrassment, and that's, that's as far as he should go in regards to, uh, you know, um, discussing um, Donald Trump's actions. This is who he is, this is who he has been, this is who he always will be. So uh, I wouldn't even, you know, I'm, to me, you lost, it's over, your day, you know, your term is over, we're moving moving forward, and we're going to go back to at least stabilizing, you uh, Stabilizing this country. I heard someone on uh, on, it was on, you know, on Twitter or on Instagram, young lady, I think she was in Philadelphia. I want to say Philadelphia, New York City. And she made a, just a brilliant com- commentary. And, you know, people, you know, people were talking about coming up to her or saying to her, you know, at least we, now we can go back to normal. And she basically said, Well, what's normal? What do you mean? You know, what's normal? Um, Black and brown people getting shot by the cops, systematic racism, like that. You know, is that your version of normal? And I'm not doing her any justice by paraphrasing what she said. But she basically, she basically said, she's basically saying, you know, similar to the point I'm making, made at the top. We can't be satisfied with status quo or. What or the way it was can't be like even before Trump got in office. Can I be satisfied with that? You can't be okay. Everything is good now. Trump is out. No, 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 no. There's no going back. There should be no going back. So that young whoever that young lady was made a tremendous, made great, were making. She made great points on not being satisfied just because. We got the bully out out of office. Today's headlines for the real deal headlines. You have the NCA postponing a couple of college football um, games um, in, in the uh, SEC, Alabama, LSU, which doesn't have the same ring to it because LSU, of course, is not, it's not, it's not nowhere near being a vintage, vintage LSU team. Tennessee, Texas AM have been postponed. They don't, they're not sure. Whether or not the, those games are going to get made up, and also we had four, you had four Steelers go on the COVID list, including quarterback Ben Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger does not have COVID, but he and three of he there were three Steelers. There's basically it basically goes like this: there's one there's one guy one player who has it, and three others who are in close contact. So taking precautions, you know, having players go on the COVID list who were, who were anywhere near that particular player or in close con, uh, contact with that player. Rothersburg is, is expected to play on Sunday, though, so. Uh, we'll see about that. You know, we'll see how that goes. It's gotten to a point uh, with COVID and with sports where I'm kind of back where I was, say, in July and August. June, July, August, saying, and with the mindset of, why are we playing? Why are we playing? And I, you know, that's obviously a, you know, it's a, it's an easy answer to that question. We understand, from, we understand the financial ramifications if they, if you know, if, if there's no football, if there's no sports, but it's gotten to a point where, you know, these cases keep going up that. Um, COVID could decide. Uh, you're gonna see a lot of these cases. You're gonna you're gonna see a lot of these postponements. And you you already had the NFL approve the 16, the uh, 16 team uh playoff just in case they have to push a game, you know, they have to play, they had to stretch the season out to, to say uh week 18. You already see that got approved today. So it is, you know, it's gotten, you know, it's gotten to a point to where I again, you just these guys. They probably shouldn't be playing. Probably shouldn't be playing sports. To be honest with you. Uh, I, mean, I know we were talking about the NBA the last couple of weeks. Uh, it's not going to matter in regards to where the players want to play or when the play or the players sign sign off to play on Christmas or not, if they are not protected. And right now, if you're the NBA, you got to be concerned about because you can't do this, you can't do the Orlando bubble. You got to be concerned about travel. You got to be concerned about how the bubble is going to look um, in December and moving forward. Um, it, you know, again, I, mean, I got a feeling that the NBA is probably – they're probably going to push the NBA back. And I think they, they're not going to want to – they're not going to – of course, they, that's not ideal for them, but they're. I think they're going to push the NBA back, to be honest with you. The way that the, I mean, these cases keep going up, and you keep seeing. If, especially if football gets postponed with NCAA and the NFL, then I think the the NBA it will do the smart thing because the NBA more more times than not always does the smart thing, as in comparison to these, to these other leagues, and will look out for the better you know for the safety of the players, despite despite the fact that you know they could lose anywhere from 500 to a billion dollars if they push the season back um to that January to a January start but right now the cases are going are out of control right now I mean, you got cases just are popping up all over the place um in all sports um you know and in both in both you know football and of course in um in both the NCAA of course and with the uh and with the NFL and you know, uh even with even college basketball, you had uh Tom Izzo um got diagnosed with uh COVID um this week. So it's got again it's gotten to that point to where you just ask yourself, you know, why are they playing? Uh Celtic legend Tommy Tom Tommy Hyunson died, uh passed away at the age of 86. He is a you know a whole Celtic legend. Um eight-time champion as a player, two-time champion as a coach and really um had one of the most remarkable careers of a that you can possibly have. You're talking about a guy who was a six-time all-star, Hall of Famer as a player, Hall of Famer as a coach and um, if I'm not mistaken a Hall of Famer as a broadcaster. Um he did a number of those games. Of course he was a, it was a long-time Celtic broadcaster for their uh you know locally but did a number of NBA finals and playoff games. And especially when the Celtic Laker rivalry was at its pinnacle in the eighties with magic and bird. And, you know, used to do do those games with Dick Stockton that that legendary crew. Um, He, you know, he was a, you know, even he was, he was the biggest Homer that you can find, but he was a, he, you could tolerate him because he was that, he was that entertaining. Like I, you listen to those Celtics games, I, you know you would watch the league pass and hit him on those Celtics games, and you just couldn't help but, you know, you couldn't help but to laugh and or be entertained by him uh, during those games. And, and you know, I'll be and I'll say this: you know, I, I watched a lot of those older games, especially during COVID, uh, in the summertime. He was fair during those uh Celt- during those games in the NBA Finals with Celtics and Lakers, or the Celtics were playing anybody playing another team, or Celtics Rockets especially with Celtics and Lakers, he was fair. I'll be honest, he, he would call it the way you see it. He would call it the way you see it, despite being, you know, bleeding Celtic green. Uh, again, one of the more remarkable careers that you'll ever see uh, from any NBA figure. Like, there have been guys that have won championships as players and as coaches, but not not been Hall of Fame broadcasters on top of it. Uh, you know, you saw, or not been all-time. Like, he, he was a great, great player. Um, Again, one two championships as a coach how many times we've we seen great players be either horrible coaches or terrible in broadcasting i mean i guess the closest thing to him in regards to being successful at all three layers prob- probably pat riley i would say pat riley pat riley was a was an okay player but of course he was a great great coach great general manager of course president built the heat and also was a when he was in the studio when he was with NBC for that year, I think he was with NBC for like two years. Either a year, I think he was at NBC for two years. He was he was tremendous during that, you know, during that time. So I think that Riley might be the closest uh, from that standpoint. Um, Jerry West was never a broadcaster. We know he was an all time great player, and of course one of the great GMs presidents of, of all time in the history of sports, but not a you know that didn't translate to broadcasting. So this you know Tommy Heinsohn was a guy who really, you know, was elite at all three levels, was a part of all 17 Celtic championships, either as a coach, player, or broadcaster. So certainly, uh, you know, your thoughts, even as a Laker fan, your thoughts have to be with the Celtic family, um, losing that legend 86 at the age of uh, 86. Week nine NFL action. Um, you had a number of close games, um, but the statement game, uh, maybe of not maybe of not only uh, week nine, but maybe the statement game of the season had to be what New Orleans did to Tampa Bay in Tampa, thirty-eight to three. This was a woodshed special. This was New Orleans telling Tampa, "This is our division. You're not ready yet." you may not even be a Super Bowl contender as far as we're concerned. They put their foot in Tampa's ass and, you know, look at Brady against New Orleans. He, you know, has been terrible. Five interceptions, you know, five interceptions against Tampa this season. Um, Drew Brees was, you know, brilliant. Uh, at one point, he was like 11 for 12 and played a near, basically played a perfect game with the you know, with the four touchdown passes. And again, this game was basically it was over after the first quarter. And it, you know, the, you know, you they, you know, Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth had the, had the uh, fill material in early. Had to go to the field material because it was that dominant of a performance by New Orleans. I listen. I, last week, I had New Orleans. I didn't have New Orleans as a Super Bowl contender. I certainly had to revamp that after that performance this week. They, without question, are a legitimate Super Bowl contender, especially way, the way they played. Defensively, they got there. You know, they get, they're getting healthy. Michael Thomas is back. Um, Alvin Kamara is arguably the best back in football. You know, I like Dalvin Cook, but you can certainly make a case for Kamara being the best back in football. And Drew Brees over the last four to five games has played, you know, has played like the Hall of Fame quarterback that he is. So right now, New Orleans is clicking on all cylinders. And I don't know, you know, I don't want to go overboard Um about this game in regards to Tampa Bay and how I feel about them. I think that defense is still very good. Brady, you know, has just hasn't played well against Tampa. He's played well against everybody else. Except Tem- just hasn't played well against New Orleans. But, you know, you like to see teams show up in these statement games and at home, definitely not a good sign when you get when you get smoked at home by your division rival, by a team that you're going to have to – you're going to have to go through to in order to get to the Super Bowl. So uh, great performance by New Orleans. Um, and they, again, really show Tampa who's boss in that uh, – in the NFC in the South. Excellent performance by Buffalo, 44-34. You see Josh Allen outplaying Russ, um, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson has cooled off dramatically over the last two or three weeks. Um, he's thrown a lot of picks. Uh, I think he has about – I think he might have like 10 for the season. Um, and that MVP talk is starting to has has begin to calm down as well as it as it should have. Um, again, I don't get fooled by how close this game was at the end. Uh, Seattle made a little late run in the fourth quarter, but this game was decided. This game was decided basically in the first half. Um, Buffalo really knocked Wilson around uh, with the five sacks, uh, picked him off a couple of times, and again, this is probably this is without question to me. Considering the opponent, probably Buffalo's best performance of the season. Um, listen, we've been saying this, about this. We've been saying this about Seattle all year long. That defense is dreadful. I mean, that defense. It, it is. Uh, it out. You know, out of all the playoff teams, they by far have the worst defense. When you look at, I, I mean, in both conferences, look at all the playoff teams in both conferences. They by far have the worst defense. Now. Maybe, well, Green Bay, uh, and even it's probably it's probably worse than Green Bay's. Yeah, it's probably worse than it's at least Green Bay has some quality cornerbacks. Um, no, uh, it's you know, it's probably neck and neck with Green Bay. Those are probably the two worst defenses in terms of playoffs, but their defense is dreadful. Um, there's no way that they're contending for a Super Bowl with that defense. It's just not gonna happen. Ah, uh, you allow Buffalo to put 44 points on you. Buffalo is a good offensive team. Buffalo is not a great three offensive team. There's no way Buffalo should put 44 points uh, on a deep on a playoff caliber team or a team that you know has Super Bowl asp- aspirations. So, um, they have to do something about that defense and fast. Uh, Pittsburgh stays remains the only undefeated team in the um, the league. Go they go to eight 0 with a, you know, lackluster performance against Dallas, a game where, um, listen, give Dallas credit. They fought. They played relatively well, played as well as they, they played in weeks. Uh, you know, Pittsburgh coming off the game. You know, remember, Pittsburgh is coming off two emotional games, Tennessee on the road and Baltimore on the road back to back. So they were um, kind of due for this type of performance. Uh, they did enough just to get by um again don't get me started on the going for two the going for two shit i am i've just had my fill of it again pittsburgh i know they missed the extra point in the first half but still even 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 only, even with the game at like 13-10 or with at scoring 13 if they if they kicked the extra point after that they would. They they should have been in the position where they should have been on their last touchdown, where they should have been up twenty six nineteen, instead of going for two at twenty four nineteen. So uh, again, these teams, for whatever reason, find are just clamoring to go for two point for the two point conversion when they don't have to. It is it, remarkable. It is remarkable. It's I'm I'm telling you right now, a team is going to lose a playoff game. Chasing points, it's going to happen this year. I I promise you, somebody's going to go for two, chase points early when they don't have to, and they're going to it's going to cost them a playoff game. These teams are just out of control with this shit in regards to going for two. It, it just makes no sense. Like, don't go for you. Don't go for two unless until you have to. Which which what what should be the fourth quarter? <laughs> like, it's just uh, to me, it's very simple. I don't get it, but teams continuously, you know, just. Um, you know, uh, just keep, just, uh, just throw dirt, throw dirt on themselves, uh, kicking themselves, you know, just become their own worst enemies with, uh, you know, with these chasing points. But Pittsburgh, in regards to that, survives, and now the schedule will start to soften up a little bit to where they can be staring at 10-0 before that, uh, Thanksgiving showdown with, um... When they, where they will host uh the Baltimore Ravens on Thanksgiving night uh entertaining game with Miami and Arizona you saw two you saw the future in regards to these in regards to quarterbacking with these two players Miami edges out Arizona 34 31. I told you not to overreact to tiger Tiugas uh Tiger, Baluva, uh, tiger first performance I told you don't overreact he came out there played great made every play that he had to make um, had 35 yards rushing and uh, again all the guy does is win that's all he does is win one at alabama he's 2-0 at the starter with miami miami's right in the thick of the afc east uh race with uh along with buffalo um <laughs> Kyler murray was great as well so you can and I like i'm a big Kyler murray fan i'm a big fan of him and i wasn't i wasn't high on him at at oklahoma but He's been great so far in his, in his short uh, in his short career in, in the NFL, and just all they have to do is keep building, getting pieces around him, and they're going to be contending for a playoff spot. So exciting game. Um, Miami had a key stop on Arizona on two short yardage plays of 31 and four for one that really shifted the game in their favor. Uh, but uh, again, the story of this game was uh, Tiger Baluba's, uh, Tiger Baluva's performance again I, I will one day get his name right but uh he was tremendous. Uh, Kansas City gets by Carolina 33-31. Uh, Carolina played well. Kansas City, you know, of course will find, you know, will find finds ways to win wins uh to win these types of games. Mahomes right now, if I had an MVP vote, we are halfway through the season. uh more than halfway through the season. Mahomes is the MVP. 25 touchdowns, just one interception. It has been you know, that's taken it to another level the past uh, few weeks. Um he's been great. Uh he would be my MVP this year. And I again I'm so I apologize to the Chargers fans. You saying you're saying, hey, why why are you talking about us when we have a losing record, when we keep losing these games? the Chargers, I just oh man, I just can't I can't I can't I, you know, I really feel sorry for the Chargers fans. I really do. Chargers fall again in another close game, thirty-one to twenty-six to the Vegas Raiders. So the Chargers get the ball back. They go down the field, and they're at like the uh, the Raiders probably two to or three yard line. Um, Herbert throws a, a perfect pass to uh, Mike Williams, Mike Williams, who excellent excellent receiver was great in college. Seemingly catches the ball, has both feet in and hits the ground, the ball comes loose. They have one second left, one play left. Throws another pass, throws a pass to a backup tight end, same, basically in the same part of the end zone. It looked, you know, at full speed, like, okay. Looked like he caught it, looked like he caught it. Courses, both feet were definitely in. And then you see the replay and the ball pops out at the last second and the Chargers lose once again. Um, It is. It just. uh, It is. I mean, it's like Groundhog Day every week with the Chargers. They just find ways to lose these games. Every loss they've had have been by a touchdown or less this season. They have a number of one point losses, a couple of overtime losses, and the thing about it is they're getting quarterback play for from a rookie. That I, I mean, I you know. This guy is playing at a level as for a rookie that is rare. I mean, Justin uh, Justin Herbert has you know 17 touchdowns and five interceptions, and has played has played great the last three, really, in particular, the last four weeks. He's been great. Um, he had one win to show for it. They have one win to show for it. So it, I don't think Anthony Lin, Anthony Lynn's going to survive this season. I it's gotten to a point where they seemingly expect to lose and. Um, I I just, you know, we know they have, we know that team has talent. Uh, Bose is out right now, which certainly hurts, but even when he was in, when he, even when he was, uh, what, even when he was healthy, they still were finding ways to lose. Um, so, you know, the Chargers do what the Chargers do, but again, I'm telling you right now, I would not want to play this team if you're contending for a playoff spot down the, down the stretch. They, they do play hard, they play hard, and they are, they are very dangerous with that quarterback because that quarterback has played great through, uh, Has played great this season, and you know it's going to be very interesting race in regards to um, uh, to the rookie um, in regards to the rookie of the year. So um, we'll see what happens um, with that team uh, in regards to to their future. I again, I don't see Anthony Lynn surviving um, surviving the season. So you look at the NFL, um, not much has changed for me as far as Super Bowl contenders. I forgot to mention Baltimore over, 10, over Indianapolis 24 10. Um, again, a lot of people were saying it's not impressive, wasn't that impressive of performance offensively because Baltimore, you know, only was only was able to, to, to gather or to gain 266 yards. You go on the road against that Indianapolis team and win 24 10. That's an impressive performance. Now, if you want to think big picture as far as Baltimore, yes, the offense is not where. It needs to be, but Indianapolis is a good football team. And now you have a, they have a legit top five, top three defense. That's a big time defense. So I'm not criticizing the team for winning by two touchdowns on the road. against like a team that has a playoff coverage. That That's just, it's just, that's just not fair. Um, but we know, we know Baltimore has some issues offensively. Issues that they're going to have to get fixed if they want to get out of the AFC. The AFC is brutal. The AFC, especially at the top, we know, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, are our teams that are going to be are going to be right there, and could be are going to be in the way of the Baltimore Ravens. So, but uh, I'm not criticizing them for losing for winning their game by two touchdowns against a good against a playoff coward team like uh, Indianapolis. But as far as the Super Bowl contenders, um, you know, not much has changed. Um, it still comes AFC to me. Still comes down to Kansas City and Pittsburgh in that order. Uh, Regards to NFC. Um, you know, NFC is a bunch of teams uh, up top. Whether it be New Orleans, uh, I'm still not done with Tampa, but they take a they take a step back and they they take a they took a step back this week. But still, I don't think they're done. But uh, you know, you have New Orleans, um, you have uh, you know, you have Green Bay. Uh, you know, Seattle's still going to be talked about, but right now, you know, in AFC, to me if uh, New Orleans can uh keep their weapons healthy, they uh look to be the class uh, of the NFC, but not by but not by a large margin. I mean again, there's the, you know, by the most there's not a big difference between say the New Orleans, the Seattle's, the Green Bay's, the um those teams, those particular teams, the Rams are in that mix. Um, not a big difference between those teams at all. One team to watch out for, and I know they've been terrible. I know they've been terrible throughout the first part of the season, uh, but they're playing dead. They got they've won two impressive games in a row. The Minnesota Vikings, watch out for the Vikings as far as making a run, possibly you know compete for a wild card and possibly even challenging for that division. I know, Green Bay. they are three games behind Green Bay, but I feel like Green Bay is going to come back down to earth. But Minnesota's playing great right now. They got the running. They got Dalvin Cook is going would be first team all pro right now at the running back running back position. If that vote were taken, um, starting to play better defensively. Um, so that is a team to kind of keep your eye on as a team that's you know picking up some steam the last um, the last couple of weeks. So of course Saturday um, you had. Uh, Dave Chappelle bringing in the uh, post-election show once again. Uh, we saw this four years ago when Trump won, so they bring it. They bought, you know, they bought him back. Um, bought it back after a Trump defeat. And um, listen, we we know where Saturday Night Live is as, in regards to the show. Saturday Night Live is, is awful. It's been awful for the past twenty years or so. The only reason I ever even watch Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live at this point is to see uh, Eddie Murphy or Dave Chappelle. So the only reason I watch the show. Those are the last two Saturday Night Live shows I've watched in the past. You know, however many, however many show years. Eddie Murphy in December, Dave Chappelle this past Saturday. So Chappelle, you know, delivered a 16 minute, 36 minute, 36 second monologue at the beginning of the show. Um, dropped a lot of jewels in that monologue um he is and we kind of kind of talked about this a little bit last week when i mentioned this uh when we talked about his uh special with uh not special but his appearance on david letterman's um um show on his uh you know david letterman's interview show but he is transitioning into something else he's morphing into something else that is that is beyond comedy. Now, again, I watched, I rewatched it, the, the uh, his monologue again. And yeah, I laughed a couple times, but it was more about, it was more about just those jewels that he was dropping in regards, in regards to America and regards to a number of other, a few other things. You can watch it on your own if you want to get, if you want more um, specifics and more details. But it's going to be interesting to see, can people handle him not being laugh out loud funny? Because I, you know, I'm not going to say he's done with stand-up. Because I think once a stand-up comedian, always a stand-up comedian, he'll do shows. He'll, you know, uh, he'll tour once we, you know, get, you know, once COVID gets, you know, Kind of handled or or, or under control. You you know you'll see him do do shows things of that nature. You know, he's doing shows already in his backyard of, of Yellow Springs, Ohio. But he's the Dave Chappelle that you saw maybe last year, two years ago. That the sticks and stones Dave Chappelle might be gone. That that Dave Chappelle might be done. And again, I don't know. A lot a lot of people might not be ready to handle. Dave Chappelle just giving life lessons and Dave Chappelle just this the speaker versus Dave Chappelle, the comedian. Again, I think Dave Chappelle is at a level I, I can listen to Dave Chappelle talk about things that are about life. I really I, for for for, you know, however long hour two hours, I I just think, you know, he's just you know he's you know want to say he's just brilliant he's just brilliant he's one of the all-time great communicators and one of the best communicators that we have in uh in this country right now but um for those of you who are not ready for him to morph into that it might not be for you it might not it just might not be a cup of tea right now because he's going in that direction, he might be. He, he's probably already there. He's probably he's getting. He's probably already there to where he's morphing into just being a communicator versus a just laugh out loud comedian. So it will be very interesting to see the uh, reception moving forward, um, as he you know transitions into just being a you know direct and straightforward communicator. He said something interesting too. I'm going to pull it up. Um, he said, I can't even tell something true unless there's a punch line behind it. Think about that. I can't even tell something true unless there's a punch line behind it. So in other words, he's, He's using a punchline, using a punchline to keep our, to keep your attention. But it's getting to a point to where I, I'm telling you, it's getting to a point to where he, you know, is, uh, those punchlines are gonna be few and far between. I'm telling you, he's heading he's, he's in that direction. And, um, you know, I'm gonna be curious to watch what the uh, reception is for, on it. And of course, rest in peace to Alex Trebek Passed away at the age of 80, uh, pancreatic cancer. Um, One of the symbolic all-time talk television uh, show hosts, not just game, but in any form of hosting, to be honest with you. Um, In particular game shows. Talking about a guy who 36 years, think about that, 36 years, was a basically a institution of game show host um jeopardy was a show that or is a show that uh to me you know that bring that brought families together I, you know I just you know I, me and my mother didn't used to watch a lot of shows together we had clearly different tastes in television Jeopardy was the one show that we will we'll, that we will that we will watch and will continue to watch uh together you know as a show that you know had that perfect balance of knowledge and entertainment It is a very rare balance of knowledge and entertainment i me be honest with you i have a number of books that are great reads i'm i get totally engaged totally engaged with them informative they don't entertain me honest, <laughs> they don't entertain me now you know i'll read them I recommend them. Uh, you know, knowledge of it—the knowledge is invaluable. But it, I'm not exactly entertained by even by a great book. Um, Jeopardy, again, Jeopardy—you're trying to, you know, you're competing against the, the guest. You're competing against the contestants who are on there. Because, because what what happens is you—you you say to yourself, "I could be on Jeopardy." I could do I, I could do that. I could be on Jeopardy. you don't have to do you know it's not like watching a sport where you know you can't duck a basketball or you know you you can't take a hit from a two hundred and ninety pound defensive end. but Jeopardy is like, yeah, well, study a little bit, you know, do do some research, I can be that. I could I could do that. I could be on that. so uh again, a again just a legendary landmark show. Um, Trebek had been around forever even before he was doing Jeopardy he was doing game shows and really uh you know really you know um really bounced around before he got to before he got on Jeopardy you know Battlestar and uh, a couple of other other shows that uh, some other Canadian shows that he was on so you know paid his dues before he you know you know just you know hit you know struck it uh hit the jackpot in regards to finding that perfect fit And that fit lasted, again, for 36 years. Uh, Rest in peace to the the great Alex Trebek. And by the way, they're going to have be doing shows. His last, the last show, he recorded a bunch of shows that will carry, that will run through uh, the holiday season. The last show will be on Christmas Day. Um, Will be on Christmas Day. So definitely will be tuned into that show, uh, that last, his last tape show. Uh, Christmas, Christmas day of this year. That is going to wrap it up for this latest edition of the Real Deal podcast. Again, um, appreciate all your support. Um having a, a ball with uh, Robert Sapp to, in terms of doing The Wire. We are more than halfway through the season. Had a great episode, uh, Homecoming, this past Sunday. Uh, so check it out. There were a number of powerful scenes in that episode, Avon and Stringer and uh, Omar and Bunk. So check that out. We'll be back this weekend with another episode, uh, God willing. And um, subscribe to my podcast on my YouTube channel, www.youtube.com, Real Deal Podcast. Enjoy your evening. Enjoy your Veterans Day. I'm out.